0: Good morning, pilgrim. Another another day here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Overcast. Sun will shine sooner or later. We hope. Usually does. Uh, this morning I'm going to begin a, a sermon, and it's a Spurgeon, so it's long. So I'll deliver it over several several days. This is a sermon uh, delivered on Sunday morning February 14th 1864 by the Reverend Charles H. Spurgeon at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in Newington. Enduring to the End. This kind of fits with with our uh, sermon yesterday doesn't it? He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Matthew 10, 22. Now this is a uh, one that the Arminians like to use to prove that you you can lose your salvation, but it doesn't quite work for that. If you put it together with the rest of them, it have to do with the subject. But I'm not gonna argue about that today. I'm gonna get into this sermon. This particular te- text was uh, originally addressed to the apostles when they were sent to teach and preach in the name of the Lord Jesus. Perhaps bright visions floated before their minds of honor, yes, and self-esteem. <laughs> Esteem among men. It was no mean dignity to be among the twelve first heralds of salvation to the sons of Adam. Was the check needed to their high hopes? Yeah, perhaps so. Lest they should enter upon their work without having countered its cost, Christ gives them a very full description of the treatment which they might expect to receive and he, he reminds them that it was not the commencement of their ministry, not the beginning, which would win them their reward, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. It'd be well if every youthful aspirant to the gospel ministry would remember this. If merely to put our hand to the plow proved us to be called of God, how many would be found so? But alas, too many look back, prove unworthy of the kingdom. The charge of Paul to Timothy is a very necessary agitation to every young minister. Be thou faithful unto death, It is not to be faithful for time, but to be faithful unto death, which will enable a man to say, I have fought a good fight. How many dangers surround the Christian minister? As the officers in an army are the chosen targets of the sharpshooters, so are the ministers of Christ. The king of Syria said to his servants, Fight neither with small nor great, Save only with the king of Israel. Even so, the archfiend, he makes his main attack upon the ministers of God. From the first moment of his call to the work, the preacher of the word will be familiar with temptation. While he is yet in his youth, there are multitudes of the softer temptations to turn his head and trip his feet. "'Trip the feet of the youthful herald of the cross, "'and when the blandishments of early popularity "'have passed away, as soon as they must. harsh croak of slander. "'The adder's tongue of ingratitude assail him. "'He finds himself stale and flat "'where once he was flattered and admired. "'Nay, the, the venom of malice "'succeeds to the honeyed morsels of adulation. "'Now let him gird his loins, "'fight the good fight of faith.' In his after days, to provide fresh matter, fresh matter, Sunday after Sunday to rule as in the sight of God, to watch over the souls of men, to weep with them who weep, to rejoice with those who do rejoice, to be a nursing father unto young converts, sternly to rebuke hypocrites, to, to deal faithfully with backsliders, to speak with solemn authority and paternal pathos to those who are in the first stages of. Spirits in decline, they carry about with him the care of the souls of hundreds. It's enough to make him grow old while he's young, and to mar his visage with the lines of grief, grief till like the Savior at the age of thirty years, men shall count him nearly fifty. Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? said the adversaries of Christ to him when he was but thirty-two. Yeah, pilgrim, if the minister should fall, my brethren. If set upon a pinnacle, he should be cast down. If standing in slippery places, he should falter. If the standard bearer fall, as fall, full well he may. What mischief is done to the church? What shouts are heard among the adversaries? What dancings are seen among the daughters of Philistia? How had God's banner been stained in the dust? In the name of Jesus, cast into the mire. When the minister of Christ turns traitor, it, 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 it's as if the pillars of the house did tremble. Every stone in the structure feels a shock. If Satan can succeed in overturning the preachers of the word, it, it's as if, if yon broad spreading tree should suddenly fall beneath the axe. Prone. Lain down in the dust, it lies there to wither to rot. But where are the birds of the air which made certain made their nest among its boughs and whither fly those beasts of the field which found a happy shadow beneath its branches? They're gone. Dismay hath seized them, they flee in, in fright. All who comforted them. All who were comforted by the preacher's words, strengthened by his example, and edified by his teaching, are filled with humiliation and grief, and they're crying, Alas, my brother! By these are our manifold dangers, our weighty responsibilities. We may very justly appeal to you and feed under your, who feed under our ministry and beseech you, brethren, pray for us. Well, we know Well, we know that though our ministry be received of the Lord Jesus, it hitherto, if hitherto we have been kept faithful by the power of the Holy Ghost, yet it is only he who endureth to the end who shall be saved. But my brethren, how glorious is the sight of the man who does endure to the end as a minister of Christ. I have photographed upon my heart just now the portrait of one very, very dear to me. And I think I may venture to produce a rough sketch of him as no mean example of how honorable it is to endure to the end. This man began while yet a youth to preach the word. Sprung of ancestors who had loved the Lord and served his church, he felt the glow of holy enthusiasm. Having proved his capabilities, he entered college and after the close of his course, settled in a spot where for more than 50 years he continued his labors. In his early days, his sober earnestness, his sound doctrine were owned of God in many conversions, both at home and abroad. Assailed by slander and abuse, it was his privilege to live it all down. He outlived his enemies, and though he had buried a generation of his friends, yet he found many warm hearts clustering around him to the last, visiting his flock, preaching in his own pulpit, making very many journeys to other churches. Years followed one after another so rapidly that he found himself the head of a large tribe of children and grandchildren, most of them walking in the truth. At the age of fourscore years, 80 years, he preached on still until laden with infirmities. But yet as joyful and as cheerful as in the heyday of his youth, his time had come to die. He was so able to, to say truthfully when last he spake to me, I don't know that my testimony for God has ever altered as to the fundamental doctrines. I have grown in experience but from the first day until now I have had no new doctrines to teach my hearers. I have had to make no confessions of error on vital points and have been held fast to the doctrines of grace and can now say that I love them better than ever. Such a one was he, as Paul, the aged, longing to preach so long as his tottering knees would bear him to the pulpit. I'm thankful that I had such a grandfather. He fell asleep in Christ but a few hours ago. And on his dying bed, he talked as cheerfully as men can do in the full vigor of their health. Most sweetly, he talked of the preciousness of Christ. And chiefly of the security of the believer the truthfulness of the promise, the immutability of the covenant, the faithfulness of God, and the infallibility of the divine decree. Among other things which he said at the last was this. This, we think, worth your treasuring in your memories. Dr. Watts sings, Firm as the earth thy gospel stands, my Lord, my hope, my trust. What? Doctor! Doctor! Is it not firmer than that? Could you not find a better comparison? Why, the earth will give way beneath our feet one day or another, if you rest on it. The comparison will not do. The doctor was much nearer the mark when he said, Firm as his throne, his promise stands. And he can well secure what I've committed to his hands till the decisive hour. Firm as his throne, said he. He must cease to be king before he can break his promise or lose his people. Divine sovereignty makes us all secure. He fell asleep, right quietly, for his day was over. The night was come. What could he do better than go to rest in Jesus? Would God, it may be our lot to preach the word so long as we breathe, We're standing fast unto the end and the truth of God. And if we see not our sons and grandsons testifying to those doctrines which are so dear to us, yet may we see our children walking in the truth. I know of nothing, dear friends, which I would choose to have as a the subject of my ambition for life, than to be kept faithful to my God to death, still to be a soul winner, still to be a true herald of the cross and testify the name of Jesus, to the last hour. It's the only such, it's only such who in the ministry shall be saved. Our text, however, occurs again in the 24th chapter of Matthew at the 14th verse upon which occasion it was not addressed to the apostles but to the disciples. The disciples, looking upon the huge stones which were used in the construction of the temple, admired the edifice greatly and expected their Lord to utter a few words of a passing encomium to praise it. Instead. He who came not to be an admirer of architecture, but to hew living stones out of the quarry of nature, to build them, to build them up into a spiritual temple. He turned to remarks to practical account by warning them of a time of affliction. A time of affliction in which there should be such trouble as it had never been before, and he added, No, nor ever shall be he described false prophets as abounding and the love of many is waxing cold. And he warned them that he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So that this solemn truth applies to every one of you. The Christian man, though not called to the post of danger in witnessing publicly of the grace of God, is destined in his measure to testify concerning Jesus and in his proper sphere and place to be a burning and a shining light. He may not have the cares of the church, but he has more, the cares of business. He's mixed up with the world. He is compelled to associate with the ungodly. To a great degree, he must at least six days a week walk in an atmosphere uncongenial with his nature. He is compelled to hear words which will never provoke him to love and good works and to behold actions whose example is obnoxious. He is exposed to temptations of every sort, size, where this is a lot with the followers of the Lamb. Satan knows how useful it is to How useful is a consistent follower of the Savior and how much damage the Christ cause an inconsistent professor may bring and therefore he empties out all his arrows from his quiver, that he may wound even unto death the soldier of the cross. Uh, Brethren, many of you have had a far longer experience than myself. You know how stern is the battle of the religious life you must contend contend even unto blood striving against sin your life is one continued scene of warfare both without and within perhaps even now you're crying with the apostle oh wretched man that i am who shall deliver me from this body of this death christian's career is always fighting always fighting never ceasing always fighting never ceasing always plowing the stormy sea and never resting never resting till he reaches the port of glory on the other shore. If my God shall preserve you as preserve you he must or else you are not his. If he shall keep you as keep you he will if you have committed your souls to his faithful guardianship. What an honor awaits you. I have in my In my mind's eye, just now, one which has been for about 60 years associated with this church and who this week, full of years and ripe of heaven, ripe for heaven was carried by angels into the Savior's bosom. Called by divine grace while while yet young, he was united with the Christian church early in life. By divine grace, he was enabled to maintain a consistent and honorable character for many years. As an officer of the church, he was acceptable among his brethren, useful both by his godly example and sound judgment while in various parts of the church of Christ. He earned unto himself a good degree. He went last Sunday. He went last Sunday twice to the house of God where he was accustomed of late years to worship. Enjoying the word, feasting at the communion table with much delight, he went to his bed without having any very serious illness upon him, having spent his last evening upon earth in cheerful conversation with his daughters. Before the morning light, with his head leaning upon his hand, he had fallen asleep in Jesus, having been admitted to the rest which remains for the people of God. As I think of my brother, though the late years I have seen but little of him, I can but rejoice in the grace which illuminated his pathway. When I saw him the week before his departure, although full of years, there was little of little or no failure in mine. He was just a picture of an aged saint waiting for his master willing to work in his cause while life remained. I prefer, I refer, as most of you know, to Mr. Samuel Dale. Let us thank God and take courage, thank God that he has preserved, he who has preserved, in this case, a Christian so many, many years. And take courage to hope that there will be found in this church many at all periods whose gray gray heads shall be crowns of glory. He that endureth to the end, and only he shall be saved. But dear friends, perseverance is not the lot of the few. It is not left to laborious preachers of the word or to consistent church officers. It is a common lot of every believer in the church. It must be so, for only thus can they prove that they are believers. It must be so, for only by their perseverance can the promise be fulfilled. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Without perseverance, they can't be saved. And to save, they must, they must be. They must persevere. They shall through divine grace. I shall now with brevity and earnestness as God enables me speak upon the text thus. Perseverance is the badge of saints, the target of our foes, the glory of Christ and the care of all believers. That begins next time. Perseverance is the badge of the saints. Next time we meet. Think on these things, Pilgrim. There are those that like to confuse scriptures. They take one scripture and say it means this, and they take another scripture and say it means that. When both the scriptures go together to add up to it, we shall persevere if we are saved. If we're not, we won't. So, there's another scripture that tells us to make sure. So, think on these things. Read your Bible. Look these things up. They're in there. God bless, pilgrim. Have a blessed, blessed day.